This is the South Bend Beat Podcast, presented by Alpha Dog Agency. Welcome to my city, bring you to my city, let you ride around my city, I can show you around my city. Welcome to my city, bring you to my city, I can show you around my city, it's my city. Welcome back to another episode of South Bend Beat. Today we have on Kevin Hawkins. Kevin was a Notre Dame basketball player from 78 to 81. Um, His father was actually the first African-American, All-American at any sport at Notre Dame. Um, He's moved around quite a bit, followed his dad uh, through professional basketball career, uh, spent 20 years in Vegas, and in the past couple years has moved back to South Bend. Uh, We talked about one of the things he does that's close to his heart since he's moved back, which is the Hawkins Family Foundation Heroes for Literacy program, uh, which is a program of reading comic books to kids after school. One other side note, if you notice the audio quality uh, change about halfway through the episode, option one on our audio recording went out, and we are switching to option two, uh, the backup audio source. So there's your heads up. Enjoy this episode with Kevin. Let's go. Kevin, thanks for coming on today. How are you doing? I'm doing wonderful. Really honored to be here. Thank you. Well, thanks for coming. So uh, we've known each other for a little bit now. Yeah. Uh, we both do some work with the Hawkins Family Foundation that uh, we'll get to here in a little bit. I wanted to start off. Um, let's st- start off with some Notre Dame talk. So you played at Notre Dame basketball, late '70s, early '80s. Yes. Had. Uh, had uh... No choice in the matter with my father. <laughs> yeah. uh, so for a little background, your father, um, so he was the first African-American, All-American at Notre Dame, and I just learned in any sport, not just basketball, any sport. In any sport, yes. So uh, you were always Notre Dame through and through coming oh, up, or what? If you come to my house on the refrigerator as a magnet holding a picture of me as a toddler with an angry <laughs> sweater on. So, so where were you born? I was born in Minneapolis. My father was drafted by the Minneapolis Lakers as their first round draft choice okay. and uh, I was born that fall in Minneapolis and then the Lakers the following season moved to Los Angeles so I spent most of my formative years in LA um, save for from 61 to 65 my father played with the Cincinnati Royals okay and uh, so we would spend some parts of the year in Ohio in the Queen City. Yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, but for mo- the most part, I grew up in Los Angeles. But uh, it was a really interesting childhood. You kind of take for granted when you're around uh, the Jerry West and the Elgin Baylors and the Oscar Robertsons. That's crazy, and, man. And these people are around, you know, when you're growing up. Yeah. It's It was a tremendous experience. The logo, Jerry West. Yes. So, uh I mean, what are a couple memories you have from when he was playing professional basketball? I mean, are there any that stand out that well, you, know, you still remember? You know, you know I was 10 uh, years old when he retired. Okay. And, you know, it was interesting. He decided to retire because he could make more money in radio and television broadcasting. Okay, yeah. At that point. That's crazy. You know, yeah. he, <laughs> uh, than he could making uh, in the NBA. But my favorite memory is my parents took me to San Francisco uh, and the Lakers were playing the then San Francisco Warriors and in the uh, place called the Old Cow Palace, okay. which has its own great history about uh, because that's where they used to 
do some of the auctions for the steers and stuff in, um, in San Francisco. And uh, my, my mom took me to Alcatraz on the boat and uh, we go to the game and I fell asleep <laughs> in the game. And I wake up and my dad is making a layup, literally, when, uh, when I a good way uh, to saw wake him. Up. So that was, that was really cool. That's without a doubt my favorite memory um, of him playing in the NBA. So at what point, um, so then obviously you grew up playing basketball, at what point did you start to realize that you were going to be good enough to play at the next level at collegiate? And um, were you kidding when you said you had no choice but to go to Notre Dame, or was that actually serious? No, that was, <laughs> that was tongue firmly planted in cheek. Okay. <laughs> uh, you know, Dad did a, a great brainwashing job. And, uh, <laughs> and it was, but I decided late in the game to – uh, go to Notre Dame because um, uh, I wasn't uh, in high school as a six five center, right? And, yeah. You know, here at Notre Dame we had Bill Lambeer and Bruce yeah. Flowers and <laughs> Dave Batten, so they weren't knocking down my door to yeah. play center at at Notre Dame. So I actually did have to try out and walk on, mm-hmm. um, but it was, which was a great inex- experience in and of itself. And I was actually grateful my freshman year to have just been a, a regular student, you know. Uh, but I had a great time freshman year in, uh, you know, the bookstore basketball tournament. And we had a team of all freshmen on our, and we called ourselves Green Popcorn. Yeah. <laughs> Stupid name, but uh, there was uh, Ed Durbin uh, was from my hall. I was in Carroll Hall and myself, and then Gilbert Salinas, who played on the team. And his roommate, Ralph Jackadine, and another guy from uh, Chicago named Steve Notaro. And we made it to the quarterfinals and lost to Bill Hanslick's team. Okay. And uh, I was uh, named first team all bookstore. And shortly thereafter, after we got out of school in June, I got a letter from Digger inviting me to be a part of the basketball team. That's so awesome. In August of 78, I showed up early and... I walked into a room and I was like, "Oh my God, these are the guys!" <laughs> yeah, yeah, these are the big boys no, now. Yeah, no. so and and I feel really blessed. These guys are my friends to this day. We have a, a great camaraderie. But you think of uh, to be able to play with Bill Embiid and Bruce Flowers and Rich Branning and Bill Hanslick, Tracy Jackson, the late Orlando Woolridge, Gilbert Salinas, Stan Wilcox, and some. Uh, very accomplished people, uh, some very great players. Kelly Trapuca, hello. Let's yeah. not forget about yeah. Kelly. And John Paxson came along, you know, later when I was an upperclassman. Uh, tremendous players, very fortunate uh, to have played with such great players and to still call them my friends. Do you have any uh, specific games or memories of those teams you were a part of? Uh, oh, we have. We had so many great great memories you know yeah. uh beating ucla and poly pavilion yeah um <laughs> when uh senior year when orlando warwich picked up the garbage and hit the fadeaway jumper in rosemont horizon to beat virginia and ralph sampson's team um but i have to say selfishly my favorite is um my dad was calling a game and you know for those of you my dad was doing color commentary with a guy named harry callis who's a legendary play-by-play right. guy um and they were here and we were playing Dayton and uh Digger um uh, told me to go in with 10 seconds left to go in the game you know it was a tight game and we just had enough room so 
and I'm sitting at the scores table, you know, sitting on the floor beneath the level of the table, and my dad is right above me. So mm -hmm. I'm looking up my, my dad, and he's looking at me. Yeah. And um, so they call the inbounds play. I catch the inbounds pass, and a guy smacks my hand and fouls me, and I got one-on-one -on -one free throws. My dad's watching to my <laughs> left, and there's a camera underneath the uh, the stanchion, mm -hmm. and uh, I, I hit the front end of the one and one nailed them both, and that is my personal yeah. favorite memory. That's to, awesome to be able to share that with my pop, and then of course uh, the magic when he was inducted to the Ring of Honor yeah. a few years ago was just fabulous. Yeah, tell us about that. Yeah, that was um, well, you know, my dad was inducted to the Ring of Honor, and we were really, really grateful um, that uh, Notre Dame recognized him, um, you know, and, and his accomplishments are tremendous. He set the scoring record when he was here, and which stood until Austin Carr came and just kind of shot the yeah. lights out. <laughs> and um, and as, as we touched on before, the first African-American All-American, and he still... And what we're at 60 years now. Yep, he's a career rebounding record that, holder. That's really impressive. For, you have to stay in that long. Yeah. Yeah. So, and and he did it in three years because when he was playing, um, they didn't allow freshmen to play. Oh yeah. Because I remember uh, Wilt had that same problem. Wilt at had KU. the same problem. Yeah. Um, let's see, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar yeah, also. Yeah. I mean, there's a there's a whole you know, era of people, of great, great players that did what they did in three years. Yeah. So, which is tremendous. And if you think about it, juxtaposed with what's happening now with basketball, it can be comparable. Yeah. You know? But uh, so that, my my wife came, I was here, um, my stepmom and my sister from uh, their marriage and my dad and uh, we had a bunch of his teammates come out um, to honor him, as well as some of my classmates and, and teammates and other folks from Notre Dame basketball. Bob Whitmore came, and he was just recently inducted right. to the Ring of Honor. And I told him when he was here, I was just so touched by how much respect and honor he gave my dad. I was uh, blessed to uh, be here for his induction. And and I told him, I said, Dad would have really loved this for you mm -hmm. and would have been really proud. And, and he said, you know, he's watching us. So that and we both shed a tear. But I just know how much that meant to Dad to uh, have that acknowledgement. And I think it was the first sellout of the season for Notre Dame that year. And uh, it was just a wonderful thing to be able to share. And it's great for me living here in South Bend now every time I walk in that arena to see my father's. Which is often. You're always there. at the games. You're, yes. <laughs> you're still a big Notre Dame fan. Every time I'm there, I know you're there. And yeah. every time I'm not there, you're also there. <laughs> I mean, you go to pretty much every game. I go to every game that I can. My Unfortunately, my schedule, especially the second half of the season, has taken me away. Yeah. But, you know, we saw each other pretty much every game yeah, yeah. at the beginning of the year. And quite frankly, I like to go early in the year yeah. to so see when the, you know, see yeah. how the team comes together, things like that. Because the Johnny come lately, everybody wants to come yeah. for the ACC. Right. But, you know, when you go see them play 
Radford, which was a tough game this year. <laughs> and, and, you know, some and the Illinois game was yeah, terrific. That was and, a good game. And uh, some of those. So it was uh, quite, it's been quite enjoyable. And I love the spirit of the program. And, of course, we're just proud of, of Notre Dame basketball. Yeah. Yeah, even even with rough years like this, I mean, under Coach Bray, they're still going to play hard, all 40. And, uh, I mean, the future's still bright. Put together a couple really good recruiting classes. Um, I mean, there's always going to be years like this, you know, with every program, uh, as long as they're still playing hard for all 40. And the ACC's no cakewalk. There's some squads in the ACC. Oh, there's, I mean, it's, there's depth, and I think we as Notre Dame, we're trying to be Notre Dame. We're not yeah. trying to be Carolina. We're not trying to be Duke. We're not trying to be – anybody else other than who we are and I like coach Bray for that mm -hmm. you know I respect that and I think uh you know if we as fans are frustrated nobody could be more frustrated with the outcome than the coaching staff mm -hmm. or the players they don't want to come out and lose they don't right. want to miss shots they don't want to do anything they want to win ball games and obviously the injury to Rex early on too was not great especially from a leadership standpoint and yeah. he was really starting to come on yeah he was really be more of a scorer, finally, yep. And and be be very uh, – I thought I saw him, you know, over that, that stretch at, at the Garden to UCLA mm -hmm. and, and those yep. things that he was starting, and he was playing so well against Purdue before he mm -hmm. got hurt. So I'm looking forward to him coming back, and I really uh, pray that he can take up where he left off. Yeah. And uh, I think the rest of the team, um, you know, of course this, this is going to stick in your craw, but – if you just take this as, as an impetus for some uh, inspiration yeah. to get better yep. and, and to grow in your skills and confidence over these next few months, I think we have some things to look forward to. Now, take us through your journey from um, post-Notre Dame and then coming back to South Bend like you are now. Uh, was there a few stops in between in in, in the way? Or how long have you been been back in South Bend? I've been back in South Bend. Actually, March twentieth will be my second anniversary. Okay, back yeah. in South Bend. So we're we're coming up on it. I am very pleased to be back to have the opportunity to reconnect with my Notre Dame family. And I didn't realize how much I miss these folks till mm -hmm. that first slate of tailgaters. When uh, we came, when I came back, and, and being able to go to the games, and uh, honestly, I don't, when I don't even care about going to the football games as much as I want to see the people, yeah, and and connect with them beforehand or afterwards. It's just been a, a really great blessing. Um, but uh, to quote the Beatles, it's been a long and winding yeah. road <laughs> uh, from graduation to returning to South Bend. I, went back to California and I stayed in Los Angeles for about 10 years. And I had an opportunity to move to Chicago and work at the old Chicago Stadium before they built the United Center. And I was yeah. part of the management team that moved into the United Center that first year. When uh, that was built, I, I worked in uh, concessions and human resources for the, uh, the Wirtz family and they owned the concession company at that time. And uh, I was really blessed to have that opportunity uh, to do that. And I was here in Chicago for, in Chicagoland for about six, almost seven years. And I moved to Las Vegas for a job opportunity with Aramark Corporation. And I moved on from Aramark to work in a few casinos. Mm -hmm. And for the last 
16 years I've been working for the federal government as a labor mediator with an agency called the Federal Mediation and Conciliation Service. And I tell people I haven't worked a day in 16 years. Yeah, yeah. Because cool. um, my job is to help people communicate and to make peace. And what could be bad about right. that, right? How long did you live in Vegas? 20 years. 20 years. Yeah. So I always ask people that lived in Vegas, what's the difference between, because for most of the country's population of Vegas is somewhere you go for a long weekend, have some fun. Yeah. How does that differ from day-to-day living in Vegas? And you even said you did some work with the casinos. Mm-hmm. Is it after a while, is it just you get tired of the tourists? Well, it's well, if you live there, you shouldn't get tired of the tourists because that's what feeds They're the bulldog. The, everything. Right. Yeah, keep it running, running. <laughs> that's what oils the machine, right? Yeah. Keeps the fuel going. But it's different if you can't separate yourself socially okay. from what yeah. goes on on the strip. And if you try and emulate that lifestyle, because those people are on vacation. Right. And a lot of those people act differently than they would at home. It's a very they, good point. They dress differently yeah. than they would at home. <laughs> you know, they they spend differently. They spend differently and do all those things. So if you're trying to live your day-to-day life with people that are on vacation, it can really lead you to be a really good balance. point, yeah. So what you find is if you have a healthy life, you stay more local to your areas. And believe me, if you want to gamble, there's plenty of local yeah. casinos <laughs> to do that in the outlying areas. Um, but you can find some things to do with your fr- family. There's uh, some great places to go hiking. And it's a gateway to go in a lot of places. You can get to uh, Arizona. You can get to Southern California. You can get to Northern California and, and do a bunch of Utah, a uh, bunch of things. It's a, yeah, a lot of national parks with yes. the driving dif- uh, distance that are yes. gorgeous. Lots of, of national parks and, and some interesting things to see. The desert has its own beauty. It's very different. I mean, we're used to green and rolling hills and grass, and uh, of course the vegetation is sparse, but the colors and the textures of the desert are, can be very alluring and enchanting as well. Uh, the toughest thing with which you have to contend is the heat. Yeah, I, I don't know yeah. if I, so you did 20 years there. And I was done, <laughs> I, was done. <laughs> I was done 20 years of that heat. <laughs> I go, I'm ready for So do you not mind the winters all that much then here? No. Or, yeah. You know, uh, you know, ask me in 20 years. Yeah. You know, we'll <laughs> see. But uh, right now, I, I'm glad. I'm glad for the change of season. I'm glad for the wildlife, the trees, the birds, the uh, raccoons, and, you know, as opposed to scorpions and tarantulas. Snakes. And, and snakes and different things <laughs> like that. Uh, but I will say one of the great uh, thrills I had was we lived in a place called Boulder City, which is a little bit south and west of Las Vegas. Yep. It's kind of a bedroom community that was built uh, because they needed places to stay for the workers that built Hoover Dam. Okay. So that community grew, and there are bighorn sheep that are in the mountains that ring, um, ring Boulder City, and uh, in the, the home where we live there, the sheep would come down the mountain in the morning and they would go to a park and graze and then come by our house to go back up in the evenings. That's cool. And then they would go away for the winter and they'd come back and then you'd see the babies come down with the mothers. And so the herd of bighorn sheep, that was really, really, really cool. So what was it 
that um, was attractive about South Bend and made you decide to come back here after, you know, so many years away? You know, it's um, it's an interesting question for me because largely it was a faith thing, yeah. honestly. It was, uh, I had opportunities to, and people are going to probably think I'm crazy, I had opportunities to move to Denver, Portland, Seattle, and it just wasn't the right place, right time, and I didn't have peace. And this, for the agency, this is a one-man office, and this opened up, and I just said yes. I found myself mm-hmm. wanting to take it and wanting to come back here. And I can't explain to you why there was no reason. It was just something within my spirit that clicked and said, you know, it's time. And I had peace. And I asked my wife, and she said, let's go. And here we are two years later. And uh, getting not just involved with the Notre Dame family, but getting involved with the community, which really makes my soul sing. And and those opportunities seem to be – you know, gathering by the day. And so you said two years, South Bend's been on a pretty solid upswing in that point. So you haven't regretted it. It's you're, you're happy in South Bend and no, I'm I'm completely happy in South Bend. Cool. Um, I, I, I'm very happy to be living close to the university, but Mm -hmm. not too close. (laughs) Um, and just learning more about the community here and getting to know people like yourself and, Mm -hmm. and, um, enjoying, all that this area has to offer. I like being close to Chicago, but not in Chicago. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Definitely a park. So it's 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 been great. I think the transition has been more challenging for my wife. Yeah. Because for me, the Notre Dame family is like putting on a pair of slippers, mm-hmm. but they can come on really strong, yeah. you know. Yeah. And if you're not part of that, it takes a little getting used to. So she's transitioning and also wanting to assert herself in the community, make her own friends right. outside of the Notre Dame umbrella. And I'm glad she just took a job at St. Joe Hospital. Oh, cool, yeah. And uh, she seems happy with the work. Um, she's a she's a nurse. She had retired for a couple of years, but now she's able to take on an administrative role. Cool. And uh, still utilizing her nursing skills. And so... That's that's just happened over the last month. Very cool. Let's switch gears a little bit here and talk about the Hawkins Family Foundation. Um, so I guess start from the beginning and kind of when you had the original idea and how it became a reality. Well, this is definitely a, the child of my heart is the Hawkins Family Foundation. It's a dream I've held dear for, gosh, well over a decade in uh, Las Vegas and uh, it was where I started to have the idea because of uh, how poor the quality of education was publicly in Las Vegas area, um, ranking very low the state of Nevada uh, of all the states in the you know of the uh, in the U.S. So I thought, what a great idea to promote literacy mm-hmm. because we there's lots of studies being done about how you achieve certain grade literacy competency levels and how that impacts the rest of your life. And I thought, well, how would I best promote literacy and what kinds of things would touch the hearts of kids? Well, I knew what touched my heart as a kid was the first time I saw a comic book 
and I saw Captain America, and I was like, wow, yeah, this is really cool. And so I started reading comic books, and that promoted my love of reading. And lo and behold, as things have metamorphosed, what I imagined in the 60s as a child is now on the silver screen and mm-hmm. on television yeah. and capturing the hearts of kids all around the world. And I was thinking, why not use comic books again Yeah. and take these two, especially underserved children, who can't afford a comic book? Who, who? Because those things cost four dollars each. Right. These kids' families can't afford that. Or, or you want a graphic novel that's sixteen to twenty-five to thirty dollars. And why don't we take this to the people? We have the means. We can make the time. We can show these kids who are underserved and discarded that they're worthy. They're worthwhile. That we have people that'll spend time with them, that we'll invest in their future without us having to be preachy or anything. Let's just take some comic books and sit down with some kids and read. And you know, you've been a part of this and it's, it's been great. You know what it means for those kids to mm-hmm. have somebody sit down with them. You know, little Sergio that you sat yeah. with, how much, and, that, and he's asking for you. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, where's Mr. Kyle this yeah. week and, and, and things like that. This is, you, when you touch hearts like that, you know you're doing the right thing. And, you know, you know, as you can evidence from day one to the end, the kids got better. We're not, yeah. we're not trying to measure them for a grade, but we're seeing their word recognition, their pronunciation, their ability to spell and write and, skills, yeah. and, and do all of those things. Um, in a non-academic setting. This is just a heart thing. And that's one of the most, I guess, surprising things for me is a lot of times kids will equate after-school programs with don't want to do it, it's boring. But in this case, when it's either you, your wife, your daughter coming through the door, they're going nuts, they're dancing on the floor, they're excited. (laughs) That's something that can take a long time to build, and it's something you were able to do pretty quickly. Do you think it was just, you know, being able to get to their level, or do you think rather than textbooks, comic books helped? Um, What do you attribute that to? Um, Well, first of all, it's the posture of your heart. You lead with love, it's infectious. Mm -hmm. You know, you come in with a smile on your face, and you go to their world, you ask them about themselves and who they are, and you show an interest, and you show up consistently. And then that makes a difference. Then you choose a medium that speaks to their hearts also, something that's fun, that they enjoy, and you ask them different things, uh, you know, what's your, who's your favorite superhero, and, and what, what kind of thing, because you know what it's like. We, we have these graphic novels, the kids pick out the characters they enjoy, and we were blessed this time, and I'm hoping we have our illustrator once again yeah. to teach the kids how to draw the characters that they're reading about and seeing on the in print, to coloring, and giving being able to give them crayons and and drawing pads and writing pads and helping them craft you know two three sentence stories and whatever like that. Those are those are things that speak to them, and because we show up. We bring fun, we bring love, we bring no judgment, 
we put our arms around them, that just makes the difference. So that's what the kids are crying for, and you see that. Yeah, and it's one of the main things is, especially at that age, um, kids can really be struggling to find a voice. Um, and when they're writing their stories and then they get to read the story, you know, to everybody mm-hmm. um, or to their big and you, they're just that they're so prideful and they're, they're so yeah. proud of their story. And it's really cool to see. Yeah. Well, and you've seen it in the pictures, the smiles on the face um, when they're just their stories being read out loud. Mm-hmm. And they're like, wow, this is I feel special. And they may leave. And this is what breaks your heart. They may not have something to eat that night. Yeah. You know, yep. or they may leave and it's not so fun at home. Um, but for that hour that they're with us, we'll just love on them and bring them joy. And to give a little background, so this last semester, um, the Hawkins Family Foundation started uh, Heroes for Literacy, mm-hmm. um, which was with comic books. Um, it was at the Tiny Titans. Yes, we yeah. use the Tiny, Tiny Titans. Titans yeah. yeah, the kids love that. Um, and it was out at uh, Coquillard yes. um, Elementary. And yeah, it went really well. So I know I first heard about it. Um, you were out. Uh, they invited you at South Bend City Church to kind of share about it. Yes. Um, and get some volunteers. And it's something that you just kind of dove in with. And uh, how how did it go about um, landing on that school for the first run? Well, if I can, like we said, we wanted to do this last summer. Okay. And I talked to a classmate of mine. I said, I want to start a nonprofit. Do you know? Uh, anybody legal here in South Bend that can help me get that together. Mm-hmm. He introduced me to a Notre Dame Law School classmate of his. He said, I'm going to take this and do it pro bono. That's awesome. So he did that. So from the day I talked to my friend, literally 60 days later, we had a nonprofit up and running. And I was introduced to Regina Williams Preston, the city councilwoman, yep. who introduced me to Devera Farrow, who is the principal at Coquillard. They love the concept. They love the concept. How soon can you come? Very cool. So then we got to speak at back to school night, and we set up a table, and kids signed up, and from and this was August. We started at the end of October, and we went through till the end of the semester, uh, the winter semester, and then we will start up again on March twentieth and go to the end of the second semester. And um, so by the time this airs, we'll be getting pretty close, maybe a week or two away. Um, is it a situation where you're still looking for volunteers if people would like to volunteer? Um, and obviously financial donations are always, um, oh, you're okay with that. Uh, <laughs> give a little bit more information on how people can help if they'd like. Well, first of all, I want to make clear that we are not taking any money personally from this venture. I am keeping my job I intend to keep my job. I will keep my job. Whatever is invested in this is invested in the children and their their advancement. So what we've done is just put it down to materials and time. Mm-hmm. So we just need to buy comic books. We need to buy drawing pads. We need to buy pencils. Crayons. Crayons, those type of things. And we were tr- this semester we... I uh, want to give the kids like a little bag or backpack that they can oh, they that. can keep yeah. their keep their stuff in, um, and we were blessed at Christmas time to give each of the kids a little present, and we'd like to continue that. So, though that's where those dollars go. If you want to 
uh, invest in the children, invest in the Heroes for Literacy program. It's really easy. You can just email us at generationhawk at outlook.com. One word, generationhawk at outlook.com. And then just let me, I will let you know and you can mail something out to us, but we're going to be working together here very soon to get a website up and running and we'll have another vehicle with, through which people can donate. But even more important than that is time, is the time that we spend with the kids. So we finished the last semester with eight kids and we didn't start out with eight volunteers, but we ended up with eight volunteers. And we noticed a marked difference when we had one-on-one versus trying to read together as a group. And so that is our goal. Our, our hope is that we will have 10 to 15 kids this semester. And so we are still looking for people to work with us and volunteer. The one hoop you do have to go through is you have to pass the background yep. investigation, which is appropriate mm-hmm. for the South Bend Community School Corporation. But other than that, all we need is, is a, about an hour, hour and a half of your time. Once a week, we have the kids uh, right after dismissal. So around 3.15, 3, 3.15, um, we have them and they have a snack and we get to play and dance on the dance, floor yeah. and, 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 and play games and do things like that. And then from about 3.45 to 4.45, we, we read, we draw, we color, and we write. And we read our stories aloud, and then we send the kids on their way to go home after that. So uh, we're probably looking for uh, anywhere from five to seven more volunteers to help out with us. And my goal is we have so many people want to volunteer that we'll have to have a second class. Yeah. That would be amazing. It would be. And you can tell uh, when a kid is doing something like that, when it's maybe the ratio is three kids to one, um, can kind of fall back into the same situation where maybe they feel like they're not being heard, they don't have a voice. So the one-to-one is very important. Mm-hmm. Um, and it gets, I mean, gets them so excited, especially when they get to read their story. Uh, uh, both the reading and the writing, I mean, they get real excited. And you said we had a very talented um, artist yes. who would join you um, and just teach them how to draw correctly. And that went over real well, too. <gasps> they they loved it. Because loved it. Because they said, I don't know how to draw, and all he did... Uh, Makes it so simple. He, he made it, you know, and I don't want to belittle it. It was huge, you yeah. know, to think of, of the gift that we had to He's have... He's insanely talented. Uh, yeah. a, a guy like that and say, okay, here's a triangle, and now here's your superhero. Yeah. Wow, you know, here's an outline of a face. Here's how you make these different facial expressions with five or six lines. Yeah. It's, it's an amazing talent, and it really engaged the children. Uh, but uh, what I also saw was like when, you know, you, you know, when you were reading with the child with whom you were reading, that bond that you yep. form yep. Is, is really strong. Mm-hmm. And um, that kid doesn't know how much they're giving you just by bonding yep. with you. Exactly. So, again, it's Generation Hawk. At outlook.com. Yes. Um, you can donate time or financially. We'll have a website up and running. Um, no matter when you're listening to this, whenever the website is up, I'll throw it in the uh, show notes. So we'll have a link there. Um, and to change gears again, you want to do some lightning round questions? Yeah, have a little fun. Fire away. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Let's, uh, we'll start easy. We'll do, um, have you ever been stuck in an elevator? Yes. 
How many times? Once, and that was enough. <laughs> was it pretty bad? It How was, long ago was it? Uh, oh, gosh, it was uh, probably 20 years ago. Um, but it wasn't very long, gratefully, maybe five to seven minutes. Not, not one of those interminable things where the lights go out and it gets hot oh, or, or any of that stuff. Did you have a direct line with like either the phone in there or the ring button? Like, did you know someone was coming? Or Yeah. 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 Okay. Um, let's do uh, favorite uh, TV shows. Do you, do you get to watch much TV? Or if you do get, when you do get to watch TV, what's a show that you like to check out? Um, I'm like crazy about James Spader in the Blacklist. I love James Spader, man. Uh, I, I fell off after the first couple seasons. Is it still yeah, good? It's still good. Yeah. You know, he just, back in. uh, you know, the way, the, the quirks with which he plays the character and maybe that's just him, but I really, really enjoy. Yeah, he's so talented. I enjoy him. And, and I enjoy that show. Very What's much. the uh, last movie you saw in a movie theater? Aquaman. Aquaman. Was it pretty good? It was, it was very good. I, I really uh, had a great time with it, and uh, I, you know, as a kid that grew up with comic books, and and uh, the first superhero show was in 1966 was Adam West's Batman. To see how that has metamorphosed to Aquaman, and now Captain Marvel's coming out a week from today. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm very excited. I'm like a kid again that I get to see these people I saw in my mind's eye on the silver screen. Yeah. And um, I'm just so grateful to be living in this time. And it's yeah, and like you know, the superhero movies—they're on a heater right now. They're 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 real popular. Yeah. We got said uh, the Oscars and Black Panther was nominated. Yes, I assume you've seen that. <laughs> yes, multiple. pretty pretty good. I'm a repeat offender. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's do. Um, how do you order your steak? Medium rare. Medium rare, okay. Yes. Does it ever end up coming out too rare, or not? Is no. that not really a thing with you? I don't know if that's that's possible. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it can be too medium. Yeah. Oh, can be too medium. Yeah. Now, are you? Uh, I'll, I'll just deal with it, or do you send it back? Um, most of the time, I deal with it. Yeah. Um, unless it's egregious, like medium well. Yeah. Then I can't do it. I can't do it. But do you... I, I try and be sensitive, since I did used to work in the food and beverage industry. Okay. Do you have any uh, unusual habits, superstitions? I like things in threes, multiples of three. Okay. So you're a trilogy guy. Yeah. You're so like a- <laughs> so I, I, it's funny, uh, you know, th- three and I like odd numbers quite a bit. So that's, that's my... Uh, so let me ask you this. Yeah. Volume on a TV or in the radio, are you stopping on an odd number? Yeah. Yeah. I do. Yeah. <laughs> and three, so if you're well, like... It's, my, my wife is like, why do you do that? And I was like, I don't know, three, five, yeah, three. 15, you know. <laughs> let's do... Let's go off the rails here a little bit. Um, put yourself... In, you are leading an army in the Civil War. Would you rather have a modern tank or a T-Rex on your side? Modern tank. <laughs> See, for me, that's a no-brainer, too, but most people say T-Rex. They're like, it would be scarier. I was like, they had muskets in the Civil War. They Are could you shoot kidding the me? That, that first shell that wiped out 50 guys. Yeah. <laughs> While T-Rex is up here trying to... Yeah. yeah, I think that's a no-brainer, modern tank. Yes, absolutely. Um, let's get a couple more here. Let's do... Uh, how about locally for, for food? If you're uh, looking to go out with a wife, maybe to a dinner... 
Uh, is there a favorite place or two that you like to go to? Oh, yeah. Uh, we, first of all, we, uh, uh, I like, my office has been above Chicory Cafe. Oh, yeah. So that's. Uh, Have you ever done their shrimp, their shrimp boils that they do? I have not done a shrimp boil. Every though. once in a while they'll do it. I'll t- so we're filming this, or we're recording this on a first Friday. I don't know what that. But I do know on Fat Tuesday they're going to have some deals. They're going to have some New Orleans-type specials. They're going to have hurricanes over there. But, uh, yeah. yeah when the, I'll be taking a lift. Yeah. When, <laughs> <laughs> when, when they do the shrimp boil, I mean, they just get the big pot, um, and they do, like, shrimp, potatoes, sausage, uh, corn on the cob, mm-hmm. and they put it in a big contote. Uh, to go container, fifteen bucks out the door. Sometimes yeah. they even throw crawfish in there. Yeah, chicory. Chicory's a good spot. Chicory's a good spot. Um, uh, Danny Boy Draft Works I go to because over by campus. Yeah, over yeah. by campus. Yeah. It's uh, uh, one of the owners is is a good friend of mine, and um, and this was before my daughter worked there. My <laughs> daughter works there now, but I'm a big craft beer fan. Okay, and so and then is it like pub food too with it? Like burgers, uh, yeah. And there's there's uh, pizza sandwiches, okay. and um, they don't have a grease fryer, so that's one of the reasons I like. I go over there because their chicken wings are not greasy. Yeah, yeah, very much. Enjoy. Uh, those are a couple places of enjoy, and then over on the river is um, oh my god, I'm drawing a blank on the brewery. The brewery on the river, Crooked U. Crooked U. Yeah. Oh. That's and, a that's a popular answer too. And, yeah. And how did I how did I forget that? Well, I guess because my wife and I went there every week. Yeah. For probably the first <laughs> six months. This guy, we got to but been to Javier's Bistro. Yeah. Um, that's that's a good spot. Um, you know, uh, so there's there's a lot of good food around here, and I think that is um, underappreciated by people. People don't know that, mm-hmm. and there's a great cultural scene here that's burgeoning it's not just sleepy town usa and notre dame yeah i mean yeah. Uh, the the first fridays is great the whole area around downtown is growing and and changing and there's another um what's the brewery on michigan that's right next south to south bend brew works yeah south bend yeah, brew right works by the another state theater yeah another great great place by the state theater you know what my dream is let's hear it is to take the college football hall of fame that's there you're right and turn it into like a hall of heroes. If yeah, we could, that's cool. if we could find some people to invest in that, it could be like a beacon, not just to talk about the comic book genre, but a place that we could get people to gravitate to, to teach literacy to kids and bring kids into that world. And we have a standalone place in the middle of South Bend. I think that would be huge. So. We'll see. I'm going to put that out there, yeah, people. Okay. <laughs> Anybody wants to dream with me, come on. DT, DTSB, Leslie, I know you're listening. <laughs> Kevin, we have some ideas. That's right. <laughs> um, let's do one more. What is the longest car ride you've ever either driven or been a part of? Florida for spring break okay. from Notre Dame to Fort Lauderdale. That's a haul. There was a 24 hours in the car, <laughs> eight track. And uh, my teammate Tim Healy loved the Jay Giles band. Yeah. So we had to listen to Jay Giles. So you knew almost, that. You knew all oh, that word for oh, word by the time you if got. If I never hear "blow your face out again," <laughs> it'll be too soon. <laughs> all right, Kevin. Well, I want to thank you for coming by. Um, again, GenerationHawkAtOutlook.com. If anyone wants to get a hold of you, uh, some great stories today, and really appreciated it. 
uh, I think this will be a good one for people to listen to. Um, I'm just so happy that we've finally been able to get it yeah. together and, and get this. And uh, I'm so happy that you're going to continue to be involved with us in the, yeah, sure. in the foundation work and uh, look forward to getting the website up and running with you as well. And thanks so much for the time and giving me this Oh, thank you for coming by. This was great. Welcome to my city. Bring you to my city. Let you ride around my city. I can show you around my city. Welcome to my city. Bring you to my city.